It's a tremendous chus to have Rabbi Weinberger come back. Baruch Hashem, it's already Chazaka L'Chaladeus. It's the third year already, Baruch Hashem, that was like to have Rabbi Weinberger come. Come back to Lakewood. Baruch Hashem, Zedar Dershov. It's a door which is a door of Mavakshim. And Baruch Hashem, we have leaders, we have Rabbeim, who are capable of giving us that which we're Mavakesh. That which we're Derish, and it's a schus. It's a tremendous schus to have Rabbi Weimberger come back. The shared the with us. Rabbi Chaydash Nisan. Avoid of Pesach. It's a shame we should all be zeichem. It's a shame to be zeichem to all. Tans together, to ring together. It's a shame in Yerushalayim Bekarav. Just as a word of Agdama, obviously, to thank those that helped make the event possible. Being Begashmias. Those that helped with the, with the, with the Mominus. Shnei Mueller, or Baruch Hashem, has his hand in, and everything that takes place in the shtibul. All of the top. All those others that are mishtatif to Maish, to Gassi, Baruch Hashem. Mishtatif with the Nagunim. I just want to be mocked with Amish two, Amish one, one, a short Maisa. I know we're not, we're here to hear about Weinberger speak, but I just, I heard this Maisa recently, and it struck me as being a Maisa which gives us some sort of understanding and what a Rebbe is, what a Rebbe is, what the Avoida of being a Manig is. I was thinking today about Rabbi Weinberger coming and the schuss that we have to have Rabbi Weinberger. The story popped into my head. The fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe is the Rebbe Rashab. The Rebbe Rashab and his wife only Zeichet to have one child. She went through difficult, difficult time even having that child, which ultimately became the Rebbe Rayatz. She went through a few miscarriages, some years of her fertility, up until she was capable of having the child, but only capable of having one child, the Rebbe Rayatz. And towards the end of Rebetzin's life, Rebetzin's she came with the Rebbe Rayatz when the Rebbe Rayatz moved to America. And she was living with the Rebbe Rayatz in Crown Heights. And the Rebbe Rayatz very famously took in a sea, he took a travel, and he traveled for a Shabbos to Chicago. Chazak people, Chazidim. And it was towards the end of his mother's life. He didn't know it at that time. His mother wasn't sick. She was Baruch Hashem in good health when he left. He had good reason to leave. And while the Rebbe Rayatz was spending a Shabbos in Chicago, his mother was Nifter. So there was a Ferris in, Ch- in Crown Heights. He was in Chicago. And the Hasidim had to break the news to the Rebbe Rayatz that his mother was Nifter. Obviously, he was heartbroken. Here he was. Not every child loses a mother's heart broken. He's the only child of his mother who had waited many years to have this child. And the Hasidim were trying to figure out exactly what to do. Because obviously the Rebbe Rayatz had to go back to the Leviah, back to the Kfura in Crown Heights. He was taking a train back. He was, wasn't even taking a plane, but he was headed from Chicago back to Crown Heights. But there was a big push from the Hasidim who were in Chicago that the Rebbe Rayatz should stay there. There were people who had set up Yechidus with the Rebbe Rayatz. People had set up appointments with him. So this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that the Rebbe was traveling to Chicago. And there was a push from the Hasidim to those that were Masada of the event, the Masada of the Rebbe Rayat's coming, that even though the Rebbe Rayat's had just lost his mother, and he was an Oynin, he had to go back to Crown Heights to bury that maybe he should stay over. It's a Shabbos Sunday, and he should meet with all the people that he had Yechidus with. Just, even just to fathom that idea of the Chutzpah to even ask the Rebbe that. But that's what they did. There was a push from the Hasidim, the Shikol Aziz, the Kedusha, 
They said, we want the Rebbe Ayatz, we have appointments already, we have things I want to talk to him about, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And they asked the Masadim if it's Shaykh Bechlal to even broach the subject, to bring up the idea to the Rebbe Ayatz, that Efshi could stay over a little bit. So Chassidim finally gathered the courage, they went over to the Rebbe Ayatz and said, and obviously it's not a good time, but, but the Chassidim are pushing, the Chassidim who live in Chicago are pushing that the Rebbe Ayatz stay over, that the Rebbe could finish all the Yechidah that he had set up. And the Rebbe Ayatz said, he said that from the day my father was Nifter, the day the Rebbe Rashab was Nifter, and I took over as the Rebbe, he said, I have no zich bechlal. I have no zich bechlal. He said, whatever the Rabbanim say I should do, if the Rabbanim paskin, go to three Rabbanim, if the Rabbanim paskin, that even though I'm an Oynin, I can have the Yechidas, 100%, I'm a Vata, my Dasa, 100%, he said, since the day my father was Nifter, I have no zich bechlal. And Kachava, they went to the Rabbanim over there in Chicago, and the Rabbanim paskin that he should stay over, he stayed Matzi Shabbos, and he stayed Sunday, he had Yechidas with the Hasidim, and only Sunday he took a train back. They pushed off the Kfura, and he ended up, being, ended up getting back to the Levi and the Kfura, back in Crown Heights. But just to think about what the, Rebbe, what the Rebbe Ayat said, since the day my father was Nifter, I have no Zich Bechlal, I'm totally batal umavutal to the Hasidim. And whatever, whatever the Psak is, that's what I'm going to do. I, I lost my mother, I'm the only child of my mother, and my achrayis is to my mother. So like the Rebbe Ayat said, I have no Zich Bechlal. I think that those of us that were Zeichat to, our Zeichat to Norba Weinbegard, to hear from him, understand that to be a manik, a manik like a Weinberger is somebody who gives up a zikh completely to other people. To say those that know him, those that have a shaykh to him, those are from far that he gives chizik to, through the many means of spreading the Torah. I remember years ago when I was living in Eretz Yisrael, a Weinberger came to speak in Wayu, to speak in, in Gruss. It was a, it was a pre, a small gathering in, in somebody's house in Rechavia before that I somehow snuck my way into. Really an Orban Weinberger, I'd met him maybe once or twice before. I was sitting by this small intimate gathering, maybe 20, 30 close Hasidim of Rabbi Weinberger sitting around the table. And I turned to the guy next to me, a long white beard, a nice guy. I said, you know, how many, how many years have you been a Talmud Rabbi Weinberger? I felt a little uncomfortable. I was sitting there. I really snuck my way into this event. So he said, he said, I've been, I've been a Talmud Rabbi Weinberger for many, many years. I never met him before. I said, so what do you mean? He said, I've been listening to him for many, many years. I said, me too. So we're sitting there by the, by the event. Me and this other guy, we were both for years and years and years. I've been listening to him from right and from far away without the ability to even connect on a personal level, but just the amount of people that Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Weimagai, is a schus to be mechazek. And Baruch Hashem, it's a tremendous, tremendous schus to be zeichet, to have a real manik, somebody who's totally mevatel, a zich completely, to Am Yisrael, uh, the opportunity to just, uh, over, my, over my years of having a shaykh, hearing about the various things that he deals with, from all things. You know, some Rabbanim are worried about what's going on in their shul, in their community. Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Weimagai's community is way, way beyond the walls of his shul. And it's a tremendous schus to have a manik like that with us. And it's a we should be zeichet. To be makabla dibura emes, and Ritzeshem to be mischazik from them, and Ritzeshem to be zeichet, and Ritzeshem all for bring together in Yerushalayim. Parav. Ashoichen, Ashoichen, that you have such a amani gemeshpia. My dear friend, you did not see Binyamin. We need to have we need to have this in a, in a hundred places in America, a hundred places necessarily in London and Paris. Jews are tzmeim, even tzmeim v'Hashem. I want to thank all the chaver who made this possible. And the Balamagina 
And I want to talk to you in a personal way, even though I don't know most of you. you see, there's such a thing that you can, nowadays, you, I always meet people that, like this, that, that like this seed, you shall I am the most exciting thing, thing for me to meet someone who says that he's been learning for and then be able to actually fabring and to be together. So I'm happy that I had this opportunity. There's a chazaka, I made no mechad, I know it. The chazaka is a shtaka chazaka. But still, we should continue as a chabur in Yushalayim. I'm asking to that. My rebellion, Nishmosam Eden, my rebellion were mostly Talmudim from the Mir Yeshiva in Europe. My Rebbe are Dabalishis, Echet Sadi Vakarish Levach, and Suval Pirov. No, the Tzadikman of Zoychet to learn by. So the two Alta Mirrors, they're not as well known, but big people. One's name was Rabbalchan Yasef Herzman, and the other was Ramarchai Raghav. This Ramarchai Raghav was actually a Rav in Chicago at that time, when the Rebbe Ayaz was there. It's a big Talmachach, maybe a very big Lamdan. And his old friend from the yeshiva, Rav Herzman, was in Chicago, and they spent some time together. And both of them were at this point quite old. But Rav Hertzman was watching his old Chirus, his friend, Rav Ragov, and Rav Ragov seemed to have the kaychis of, uh, of a 20-year-old, of a 20-year-old man, of a young man. He hardly slept. His learning, his davening was with a fish guide of a young man. And they were, they were close in age, around the same age. And they were talking one night. And Rav Hertzman asked Rav Ragov, he says, I'm watching you. We're both out Eden. And I'm amazed that, that, you, that you have these kaychas, the teaching, the learning, the avayda. Be up in the middle of the night, he would sleep just for a few hours. So Rav Raghav said to him, But we were together that, that day by Rabbi Yuchim, in Rabbi Yuchim's house, you don't remember? They were both meeting with the great Mashgiach Rabbi Yuchim. We were together by Rabbi Yuchim. And the herdsman said, I don't remember what, what are you referring to, which day? We heard many shlusim from, from the Mashgir. <coughs> so he said, there was a chabura of some of the older Talmidim, the Chalshiva Talmidim, that they would meet in Rabbi Yuchim's home. And they would hear shmuz from the Mashgir. It wasn't in the Yeshiva. This private shmuz with some chalshevet chaver in the Meshkia's house. And Rav Rogov said 
that you remember it was once a beautiful, beautiful spring day. It's a beautiful spring day. It was Pesach time. And, and we were waiting, and it wasn't like the Mashgiach to be even a second late. Everything was picked with him, but he was a few minutes late. And we were waiting for him, and we saw him coming down the street. And when he came in, the Mashgiach was, was on fire. Rabbi Yuchim was on fire. And he said, Ich bin jetzt, ich sehe, ich bin gekommen von der Gas. I just came from the, the street. Ich habe gesagt, alles wächst. Everything is coming to life. It's the spring. The flowers are growing. The grass and the trees are growing. And I heard the trees calling out to me, Yeruchim. Why aren't you also growing? Do you remember that? Ravagov said to a person, Do you remember that? And a person said, Yo, So Ravagov said that ever since that day, ever since I ever since that day, ever since I heard Rabyukum say that and the way that he said it. I don't sleep the same way. I can't rest. I keep on hearing the Mashgiach saying, Alles fast. And every tree and every flower is calling out, so why aren't you growing? Everything is coming back to life. So have Today, we were able to smell a little bit in the afternoon, a little bit of, of Pesach, a little bit, the beginning, the beginning. We have, for some reason, by our place in Woodmere, by our house, these little purple flowers that are the first to come up. My wife told me what they're called, I don't remember, it's a funny name, it sounds like Crocker, but I don't remember, something like that, but it sounds like Crocker. And, and somehow the these courageous, adventurous, powerful, little purple, delicate flowers make their way through every year by Pashas HaChaydesh. And I was waiting for them. I was waiting for them, I got nervous, and it wasn't such a cold winter this one. And Baruch Hashem, they came. And Alice walks, and everything is beginning once again to grow, to come back to life. But at the same time, you and I know that there are many, many chavra that even though they're Hashem, they're alive and well. But it's hard for them to come back to life. For whatever reason, something along the way. 
know that the Antiv of, the Antiv of Pesach has many tastes. There's the taste of the matzah, there's the taste of the marah, there's the taste of carbon Pesach. We're afraid of the taste of chametz. Shlomban says it's a washing of chametz. It has to do with the taste also. Pesach night, we wait for Leonovi. And we say in the Piyat, Mosheh Shabbos, about Leonovi, Ish loy tam tam iso ukhur. Ish loy tam tam iso ukhur. Elianova, waiting for you. You're the man. You're the man who never tasted the taste of death. Who never tasted the taste of, of being buried in this, in this world. But I spend a good part of, of my day, a good part of my life, the past 42 years or so, 43 years, Talking to to people, Jews, young, old. I had a mice last week I mentioned in Shul. There's a mice of uh, parents who came and brought an eleven year old boy, a little boy, eleven year old boy who wants to kill himself. Took a knife to himself, a child, a little boy, eleven years old. And I was sitting with him for a long time by myself, the two of us I was talking to him. And I asked him those beautiful, sweet boy, yeshiva, what a yeshiva boy. I said, don't you know that Hashem's Baruch loves you? Don't you want to be here and to, and to give naches to Hashem, to your parents, and so on? And he, he's convinced that Hashem made a mistake and he doesn't belong in this world. That's what he told me. 11 years old. I've heard this from 20, 30, 40-year-old people, a child. That there's this taste that many people have where they could walk on a beautiful sunny street in the spring, like Rabbi Yucham. The whole world is alive. The whole world is Yismucha Shemayim, the Sogel which is the tear of of the month of Nisan. Yud Kevavke, right? Yitzmuch HaShemayim, Nisagel Arts. The whole world is singing, the whole world is alive. And an 11 year old boy is Toyim Tam Mis. The parents have to lock the drawers in the kitchen. Shamiach. And that they're in, that they're, he's by doctors, he's getting all kinds of shots that make him sleep all day so he shouldn't kill himself. A child. In the Ishbut Sesvarim, those Sadiqim spoke about two kailas, two sounds that we hear in the world. There are two sounds that we hear. You could wear, you could wear earplugs and all the all different things to keep out those sounds. But there are two sounds, two kailas. And these colors go back to the beginning of time. 
They go back even before the beginning of time. Before there was time. The first sound, you all know that there was a kitrick. The Malachim didn't want man to be created. And there was a kitrig that became formulated in the words of Tillam, but the kitrig was from the Malachim of my Enosh Kisiskiran, Uven Odo Kisif Kidan. My Enosh Kisiskiran, who is man? That you should even think of him, that you should even consider him. And there was a whole, as you know, there was a whole debate. Should be created, shouldn't be created, this model, that model. So there's a call, Jesus has said, there's a voice that is heard in the world, and they associated this voice with the time of the winter. When everything is time is when there's a taste of death in the world. And there's a voice that is heard strongly during that time when the world seems to be dead. And people hear it in all different ways. This little boy is hearing, he'd never heard of that Pasuk, but he's hearing a Malach, a Shlacht Malach. He's hearing a Malach whispering into his ear, that God made a mistake. There's no reason for you to be in the world. There's no reason for you to be in the world. You're worthless. Your life is unimportant. You're worthless. You don't belong here. That's the sound of the winter. That's Tam Misa. When it comes to the Torah says, Shamayrus Chaydash Aviv. And the Pashis in the Ramban is, Hayyam Atim Yaitsim Chaydash Aviv. You look in the Ramban, the Pashis is as a Misra Daraisa. Whatever it means, I'm not going to right now. That there's a Misra Daraisa to remember Chaydash Aviv. Elizabeth says that there's a different sound when things begin to grow, when the world begins to come back to life. The sound of Kol Mavasa Mavasa Vaimer Yanavi. The sound of the Rabbi Shalom laughing at the Malachim and saying, Nasad. So the Medrash says that while the Malachim were, uh, the Malachim were going back and forth, arguing, the Rabbi Shalom on the side, and he created us. I did it. Man was created. Let's try to understand the oymic of this kitchuk. What is that sound of the winter? And what's the sound of of the oviv, of the spring, of a chedesh zalachem, of parashas a chedesh, of kol mavas mavas of oimah, the voice of leonovi? 
אז הנה הנכס שלך לכם בשרי נוי, לפני ביום הראשון ועוד ארבעה נוי. Because every single one of us has heard these voices. Everyone. Nobody's part. So, what is this kitchen? The beginning of Sefer Dvarim, Moshe and Yitzchazer knew what happened. So it says in Pasuk, V'teragnu b'yoreleich. Means that in the Midbar Jews were complaining, or were murmuring, were whispering in their tents. V'teragnu b'yoreleichem. A crazy thing. What was the hak in the Midbar? V'teragnu b'yoreleichem. But what were they saying? That because the Barishlam hates us, because the Barishlam detests us, because he hates us, he took us out of Mitzrayim. In other words, what Jews were hacking about in the Midbar was Besinus Hashem Eison. That the Barishalom made a mistake. The Barishalom hates us. Hates the other women's And he took us out, Bami Sainabah Midbar, to destroy us in the Midbar. So all the Mepharshim are asking. And any healthy person who reads this Pasuk has to ask, how is it possible for Jews to think that? And it doesn't mean that it was one person, one sick person. It means that it was reported in Tyre. That this was what was going around. How could that be? We're just singing. A mystery is drinking from the cup and it comes blood and the Yid has his screw in the cup and it comes out water. And the Marcus. And Chris Yamsuf. And then afterwards, And then afterwards, so everybody's asking, how could it be such a thing that that Jews were thinking that the Barishalom hates us? They said, how could it be that this boy, this little boy who has the most loving, wonderful parents, the most wonderful people, this child is this child is is immersed in love, and his parents live for him. I know that. So how could it be such a thing? So Sforano says, 
Just a couple of words, not even a sentence, a little sentence. Sfirno says this, Sfirno says a very deep thing. That's the swirl. That the Bernish hates us, I'll shavadnu of Because when we were in Mitzrayim in Mentashaitoma, we were in that disgusting place. We ourselves were defiled and were lowered by that experience. We used to go clubbing in downtown Mitzrayim. And we used to watch the shows in Mitzrayim. And we were all on the chat groups of Mitzrayim. And we were all on the Mitzrayim, TikTok and Facebook, and we were Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim. And because of that experience, Al Shavad Novadazar Mitzrayim is what this one is saying. It must be that the Bayoilam hates us. It's hard to even say the words, but it says in Chumash, the sin is Hashem, my son. That the Bayoilam hates us. At the moment the Jew feels that, the moment the person thinks that, then there's that malach, there's that malach that screams in his head, when a Jew does something he knows is wrong, Especially if it's something that's from that world of Ervis Haaretz, of Mitzrayim. If it's from that place, that world, that, that Hashchos of Mitzrayim. It's not that the Baruch Shalom hates him, it's that he hates himself. And once a person hates himself, all he can hear is the sound of the winter that says, Who are you? Your life is worthless, you're nothing. You, you're not even of a desert You, the guy that was on that website yesterday. You, the guy that was looking at that thing on the phone yesterday. You're getting up today and you're, and you're closing your eyes and you're saying a Krishna. You're saying, you're learning a black Gemara. Why is it so hard for people to doubt this is not a new problem. There's a Ramban at the beginning of Chumash. When Cain, after Cain did what Cain did, and it says in Pasuk, Hen Gerashto Yisi Hayom Yalpnei Adam. Hen Gerashto Yisi. You have thrown me out. Hen Gerashto Yisi. Umi Panecha Esaser. I am hiding from you. Umi Panecha Esaser. Just like other Mauritian. Ve'ira ke'ira manoichi. Ve'achavei. I'm naked, I was naked, so I, I was hiding. I'm hiding. So Cain also says, Hen gerashto yisei ayoyim, ve'apnei adomo, ve'ponecha asoser, and I'm hiding from your face. Ve'isi nov and od bars. I'm a nov and od I'm draining around. I don't have it shachis in one place, move in another place, shachis in the third place. You ever go into shul, you see that there are I remember when I was in Yerushalayim, got in the shul, uh, I, was, I went to Davin someplace, and 
I don't want to say which neighbor, it's a beautiful neighbor, it's a beautiful shul. It's a small shtibel. And, and there were three people that were standing, it was Mincha, and there were three people in the, in the, in the shtibel, and there were like 50 behind the curtain in the Ezra's Nash. You ever seen such a thing in your life? You've seen such a thing. Is there any rational way to explain that? The terrorist Ramban says over there, Mi panecha asas said, Ramban says, Lai ucho lama lefanecha lehispalim. Lai ucho lama lefanecha lehispalim. I'm hiding from you, Rabbi Shalom. And the way that you see a Jew is hiding is not by learning, because learning is geschmack. Learning, you feel that you don't have to face a kashbrobin, even though, of course, you are. But you don't think of that. When you're learning, you think you've tasted when you're learning, you're thinking of a good svara. When you're learning, you're oftentimes thinking of yourself and how you could be smarter than your chavusa. But when you're davening, if the davening is really davening, if you're a Jew that's hearing the voice of my Enoch Kisiskerano, if you're a Jew that feels ashavadno of a Mitzrayim, if you're a Jew that's embarrassed, that's ashamed, if you're a Jew who has died inside, because of too many winters and too many Averas that are killing you. So then you begin this strange life that many from people, from people are living. Of, that's called Umi Panecha I'm hiding from your face, Ramban says. It shows up by davening. Because davening is supposed to be an Indian of Panu Panu. I can't stand in, I can't stand before you. When Odom Rishon says, I'm naked. And the Rishon says to me, Who told you that you're naked? I'm an eight. I never told you that you're worthless. Odom Rishon says, I can't face you. I'm hiding among the trees in the garden. I'm running away. Theme it shows up mostly by shul, mostly by davening. I know from guys who went to find yeshivas who have told me that they went seven, eight, nine years not going to shul. They start to go because the kid comes back from yeshiva. It's embarrassing that thing to shul. And the says to the me Who told you that you're worthless? I told you that you're worthless. I never said that you're naked. I never said that you're empty. I never said that you're worthless. What I'm telling you is, try to be better. I didn't say that you're worthless. But when the person hears that sound of my endless that voice of the kitchen of the Malach, then he loses that feeling for Elokos. Then we see so much a lack of that. We see people walking and sitting in shul with their phones, sitting during a shir, sitting during a levaya with the phone. You ever see that? Sitting by shiva with the phone. they have to be detached from anything that's holy. Even from a moment when you're in the presence of someone who just lost a parent, lost a, a, a husband, a wife, a child, or a lenu. I've seen this with my own eyes. Where a person can't have Yishev Adaz to sit 
a shir, to sit a davening, to sit, to be able to be, to be able to be present, to feel noichach pnei Hashem, because because they're in that place, that zone that's called mipanecha esaser. I'm running away from him. I can't face him. Why? He loves you, just like these parents love the kid. And the Rishon loves us. He The Rishon took us out. The Rishon loves us. The Teretz is, he loves everybody else, but not me, because why? Whatever your opinion is, you can fill in the blank. And because of that, is me And that's why the highest, highest moment of the year is Ni'ilah. And Ni'ilah, you trying to come back to life. Trying to face Hakadosh Baruch Hu, by nearly even Jews who normally can't look at God in the eyes. But when it comes to Neila, you see these Jews—they're not having a kiddush club then, they're not on their phones then, they're not hacking about the the latest hack. Even even these dear Jews, by Neila, they lift their heads up. They, in a very shy, embarrassed, and painful way, they look up a little bit to, to see Hashem's eyes. You know what that feels like. Every one of us knows that. And by Neil, we say the words, You... Distinguished man, the same Enosh, my Enosh, and what is the greatest distinction that God gave man? What is the greatest covet that God gives the Jew in the world? That no matter what he's done in his life, no matter what mistakes that kid has made, no matter what mistakes Hashem's children have made in their lives. You and I. Put away the phone. Put away the conversations. Put away the Irish kite. Look at God in the eyes. And I'm saying God. I'm not saying the Barishal. I'm not saying the Abishter. I'm saying God. Look at the Barishal. Look at the Creator, the one who created you in the eyes. Because He's not running away from you. It's me, Panecha Esosir. You're running away from Him. The reason that you taste the taste of death is not because he doesn't love you. It's because you are, it's because you hate yourself. Because of al-shavadu of al-zarbim And you can't face yourself. You can't look at yourself in the mirror. Therefore, you spend your whole life looking at other things. You can't even face your wife. You can't face your kid. Because you're embarrassed. And you're hiding because you feel ke'er manaychi. And the Marshall is grabbing you by the head. And at least by a kneel, a Jew feels Hashem holding his head and saying, and all of this is so we should learn a paragraph from Rabbi Lebelegas, Lucy Galeno. Okay, I have another five, ten minutes. I don't know what this man is over here. I mean, if you have to, you can leave it. Hi, Rabbi Lebelegas.
Parshish Pekudeh, the end of Shmois, there is this strange break, an interruption. It seems eternal. It seems infinite, but it's not. There's this break between Shmois and Vyikra that's wider than the space in the Sefer Torah. Couldn't enter into the and the how over and over in Parshas Pekudah, it's repeated with every Maisa of the Mishkan, the whole Indian of Pekudah is a Chazar. And, and every single Pasig is Ashetiva, Kashetiva, Ashetiva, Ashetiva, Ashetiva. It was the Maisha when he did, but the Barsham told him. Kashetiva, Hashem, except for one part of the Mishkan, Reb Leibelis says, points out, where it doesn't say Kashat Sivasha. And that's the Chatzah. So Reb Leibelis first talks about why is it that Moshe Vendu didn't move forward into the Mishkan? Why was he hesitating? We're waiting until the beginning of Vayikra is Vayikra al Moshe. When the Barishalam tells him, come on, why is he waiting? What's the hesitation? What's the fear? So we see the we see in the Chumash the cloud. This is all you've been. This is all you've been waiting for. This is all you've been working for your whole life. So Blabel explains. That all the Kashetzivas of the of the parasha, he gives a marshal is the sar God of the a great sar of the king. The mouth nicely upon him, Tom, and the Macarvoy, and so on, the Comine Escarbus, Comine Chibus, loves him, shows him affection. And the king gives this beloved minister, Rishus, to come in. And Nichnes, he goes into one place. But he has such a pachet from the greatness of the king that he's afraid to go to the next room. And that's the all kashativa. That's the all all the tzur kashativa kashativa kashativa. Therefore, with all of his greatness. And this whole life was for this moment. The whole life was for this moment. How come is I Mishkan? Coming into the Mishkan. Everything was for this moment. Maisha Ben was afraid. And every single step along the way, Shemesh Baruch said to him, Go ahead, go ahead, it's okay. So Blabel asks, But by the Maisha Chotzer, by the outer courtyard, doesn't say Kashativ. Because the Chotzer is, is the first step into the place itself. 
אשר מי שיועצה גם ממנו ולחוץ, יועצה משוס בעל אביר לגמרי. שם אין מהרוי לשתמש במידס הנובר, לא תצא גם משם. So Blabel says a Gewaldige thing. That first step, to stand before Kaddish Baruch is the Chatzim. And he says, over there it's not proper to use this midah of humility. Because a Jew has to stand like Esther Malke. He doesn't say that, but that's by Esther Malke. He says, because the chotzer means that I want, I don't know how, I'm unworthy, and I, I have no shaykhis to the inner sanctuary, but to, but to stand the kolapachis before Hashem, to be able to hear that baskel that says, Nasodim, Ahavdi Eschem, to hear Akash Baruch Hu's invitation. By the Chotzer, a Jew has to stand a Kolpanen. They say, I'm a Jew, and I'm, and I'm, I'm not going to turn away from this place. And when the Balabayas sees, when the Melech of the Sa'ad, the Balabayas sees the Shivan Halev. Despite what this Jew has done, and despite the fact that he feels worthless, and he, Moshe on his level felt worthless to go into such a place, despite all of those feelings, I will not turn my face away from you. That's the design of our generation. With all of my feeling of worthlessness, I will not turn away from you. The ikechinach now that the children have to get from the time that they're little is that they're worthy in Hashem's eyes. And they should be able to turn and to face Hashem. And not to turn away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I will not turn away from you. And when the king sees this, when Hashem sees this, Merachim love, O Makarve, the curry, O Yisrael, love, O Pnim, O Yikre, love. That's the space between Pekudeh and Vayikra. It's Esther Malka. Esther means Mi Panecha Esoser. And with all of that, Mi Panecha Esoser, Esther Malka was Mechazek itself. And Mordechai the Tzadik was Mechazek to go and to stand by the Chotzer and to say, I'm coming in. couldn't go in? Because even though everything Hashem did for us, everything, the whole Zeus, the Raven Visalusa, the Erosa, had Tahiro, Molo, Libra, Lichnus, the oil. 
And that's Moshe Rabbeinu. To continue on. But he wouldn't walk away from the Chatzah. The Chatzah, he stood by the Chatzah waiting. And so I want to share with you something, Kevin, and I'm sorry if I kept you late. What I'm talking about is the possibility of feeling his chachus of of to come back to life for the rest of the world is coming back to life, to be able to taste that taste of coming back to life. And to come back to life, a person has to hear the voice of the, of the spring saying, Nasa Odin. There's a, there's a woman whose poetry I often read in shul. She, she passed away a few years ago. It's very hard to get the books. They're supposedly working on them and redoing them. She has beautiful poetry. She was a Baal Shuva, lived in, she grew up in Baltimore. She was like a cheerleader in Baltimore, like in the 1950s or something. And she ended up living in Meir as a breast of a Hasidist day. It's a bit of a transition. Her own children were a Hasidist, she didn't, her own children didn't know that she was writing this poetry. She put it out with different, her name is, her name is Sarah Rosenblatt. But she used a pen name. She had like three or four different pen names, and the books go under the name goes under the name Ruth Lewis. The book is called Memo to Self. It's very very hard to get. People pay a lot of money to try it. Supposedly, they're going to be coming out soon. She has another book that that they that they put together already after she was nifted. And a lot of times in shul, when I feel that we need a certain specialist chaskis, I share one of the poems with the chaver. So I wanted to read this to you. It takes a second. It's called When I Consider. And I read this to my children sometimes. When they were little, I read this to them. We talk about it. So I want to share with you. When I consider how you, meaning Hashem, with a capital Y, when I consider how you love me, I think the key word has to be unconditionally. Not because you see in me a diamond in the rough, all I could be potentially, but intrinsically, unconditionally, where I am now. When I consider how you love me thus, and infinitely, there stirs, awakens deep in me an answering love. And then I yearn, I long to be all you've created me to be. I wish this could be sent to every child in Chayda, to every little girl, in every school, and to review the chazer over and over and over again. You remember the great, the great Rav Chazkel Avramsky? So Rav Chazkel Avramsky, when he lived in Yerushalayim, he lived in Bayat Vagan. It was a new neighborhood back then. Rav Chazkel lived in Bayat Vagan. After he was in London, he spent the end of his life in Bayat Vagan. And he was walking with somebody, talking and learning. It's a guy in Ireland. They're talking and learning. And there was a little girl that was sitting on the on the curb on the street and she was crying. And the and the person that Rav Haskell was walking with didn't even notice, but Rav Haskell did. Great people notice 
little people. Little people don't notice little people. And if Haskell saw this little girl, and if Haskell asked her, Lama Pucha, why are you crying? And she said, first of all, I asked Haskell, what's your name? She said, my name is Shifra, and why are you crying? She said, I'm crying because my friend told me that my dress isn't pretty. That her dress is pretty, my dress isn't pretty. And Haskell Avramsky said, your name is Shifra. Shifra means beautiful. I want you to go home, Shifra, and tell your mother, Tagidi Laima, Shal Rabbi Cheskel Avramsky, Amar Lach, that Rabbi Cheskel Avramsky said to you, that Asimla Shalach, that your dress is the prettiest dress in the whole Yerushalayim. And you're the prettiest girl in the whole Yerushalayim. And she skipped off to tell her mom what happened. And after this happened, the student was, the, you know, taken aback such a conversation that Rafhaskel Ramsky has with a little girl. And Rafhaskel said to her, to him, you don't feel sometimes like that little girl? You don't feel that way sometimes? Rafhaskel said, I do. And everybody needs that malach that whispers into the ear and reminds you that Hashem's eyes, you're the most beautiful girl in Yerushalayim. You're the most beautiful guy in Lakewood. You're the most beautiful Jew in the world. In Hashem's eyes, there's nobody that's more beautiful than you. And to hear that in the deepest way. And when we do, when we do, we're not going to have to look away from Hashem anymore. We're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to waste our lives. We're not going to waste our lives turning away and hiding. We're going to wait to look at Him in the face. And you hear that Navi saying to us, Ki ayin ba'ayin yu b'shuvah shem siyam, at kolash v'amitis, me'am yu 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 me'am